0: Welcome to Adventures and Evaluation Podcast with James Coyle and Kylie Hutchinson. Hi, I'm James Coyle. I'm an internal evaluator with a large regional health authority.
1: And I'm Kylie Hutchinson. I'm an external evaluator, currently working as an internal evaluator in Africa right now. And together we are...
0: Adventures and Evaluation. That was my robotic voice.
1: (laughs) And I have the hiccups, (laughs) so hopefully they won't bother me. So... James, I missed a really interesting interview.
0: I can't believe you you missed that interview. I mean, you're the consultant, and here we get to Gail Barrington, one of the queens of consulting. She's written a book on it. You were all excited about it. What happened?
1: So here's the deal. There's no daylight savings time in Zambia. So back in November, I was, uh, you know, I had to switch from you guys being nine hours behind to being 10 hours behind, and I just, I was away for the weekend. I didn't get all of your emails, and I kind of rushed home and turned on the computer and uh, realized that I was an hour late, and I had missed yours. So I'm sorry about that.
0: Wah, wah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Hey. We had, a, we had a really good interview with Gail. Um, I had a good interview with Gail, but I, I used a lot of the questions that you and I had already talked about.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, shall we roll it for people now?
0: Let's do that. Here's the interview with Gail. So today we're joined by Dr. Gail Barrington, who's a well-known Canadian program evaluator. Both Kylie and I were eagerly awaiting uh, the chance to interview uh, Gail. Gail, good morning. Good morning. How are you?
2: I'm just great.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. So uh, we wanted to uh, interview you. We know that you've uh, worked on well over 100 program evaluations. You've been doing this work in the field for uh, well over 25 years, Um, well-regarded presenter and author, both Canada and the States, and probably beyond. Um, Really wanted to pick your brain a bit about consulting. Um, You've got a book called Consulting, Startup, and Management, a guide for evaluators and applied researchers. Can you tell us a bit about how you got into evaluation?
2: I've thought many times it was really an accident. Um, I've always been a person who likes to take advantage of whatever opportunities present themselves and I was teaching part-time at the University of Calgary. I'd recently um, obtained my PhD in Educational Administration and I was teaching courses in Ed Admin and I started picking up uh, pro- projects in evaluation working for the Calgary School Board um, sort of on the side. and. I had taken evaluation courses during my program, and I was quite interested in it, although I never thought of myself as being an evaluator. I thought of myself as a professor. So um, the project started to become more frequent, and the teaching was decreasing in terms of the number of courses I was teaching. And so at one point, I had to decide, what am I going to do now? Am I going to go full-time into consulting, or am I really going to perhaps go somewhere else to teach? And so I decided on the consulting route.
0: And so did you start by um, dabbling in consulting on the side?
2: Uh, yeah, I had a couple of, they were fairly large projects, but I was also teaching too. So right, right, between okay. the two of them, it made up a, a pretty much a full-time load. And um, I lucked out because I got on as sort of a second person on a five-year evaluation project called Project. ABC mm-hmm. advancement based on competency and so it was competency based education in high school mm-hmm. and the fellow who was in charge was from australia and in year 2 he decided to move home
0: oh <laughs> and that leaves you with and that left the me holding the,
2: holding the project
0: wow Wow. And
2: it was it was really on the basis of that project, and knowing by the time I got to the decision point about a year later that I wanted to do consulting full time, I went into it knowing that I had three more years of this project.
0: Mm-hmm. So that I mean that probably added a bit of security. But I mean, were you a bit anxious about uh, being thrust into this lead position, or or was that uh, that feel like second nature to you at that point?
2: No, I I, I have to confess that it was fairly nerve wracking.
0: Yeah, yeah. I imagine. I, I think it is for all of us when we're kind of suddenly put into that. So how did that go for you?
2: Well, uh, well. that... i
0: guessing went it went in, well.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it went reasonably well. I mean, it was a difficult project. I don't think the environment was particularly welcoming mm. to an evaluator. And so maybe that was a good thing. I learned some important skills
0: mm-hmm. during that period. Gail, what do you think about people then who have uh, feet in both worlds, uh, one foot in consulting and uh, one in a permanent job?
2: I think you can only do it for so long. I mean, I do have a couple of colleagues I know who have made the decision to continue doing both, and I mean, I do teach now, quote-unquote, on the side. I'm always teaching one course for Athabasca University uh, in their master's program, and it's on health services and systems evaluation,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, So I and then I do workshops, so between those two things I keep my hand in in terms of teaching, which is one of my main loves in life,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and um, I I just find that it's um it provides a balance, but mm-hmm. the focus is and the income, to be honest, is through the consulting side.
0: Yeah, I guess I've often wondered, given you know my my route and my career has been focused on uh, being an internal evaluator in a, a few different organizations, and I I've really uh, been quite fortunate, you know, really enjoyed the work that I do. But I think to have a foot in both would be kind of tough. Um, ultimately, I want to be able to fully commit my time my energies, my passion to what I'm doing and where I'm at. And so, you know, when I've been approached to do things off the side, I'm, you know, I'll often volunteer my time, but I'm a little reluctant because I know part of me would probably really want to just dive dive right in.
2: Right. Great. Yeah, I, I think that you're torn. I think you've actually hit it right on the head. I mean, you can't sort of divide your loyalties or your attention and so on. Um, your brain waves equally between two different careers at the same time. I think it's too stressful for one thing.
0: I wondered if you could talk a bit about some of the characteristics that you think make for good um, you know, consultants in the field of evaluation.
2: Well, uh, and I have written a um, a chapter on personal characteristics uh, in my book. I think one of the things that you really need to have is flexibility. You have to be light on your feet and able to respond to changing um, situations and scenarios with clients. And I I find that to this day that you go into a project and you think things are going to be one way and, and you soon find out that things that aren't that way at all or that, you know, your thinking was too limited and there's so much more that could be done and so on. And this is this is one of the things that's led me to really love de- uh, patents developmental evaluation approach. And I find I'm taking that on more and more in terms of my just even going into a project saying, well, I don't know exactly where this is going to go mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. So that sort of flexibility and then flexibility in terms of not being sure like, you can't budget for your upcoming year and say, okay, I'm going to make, let's say, uh, $75,000 this year, and this is how I'm going to spend it. Uh, you, you don't go into a year that way. So, you you go into a year with maybe one or two projects for sure, and then you have to market to sort of top up whatever you see your expenses being mm-hmm. for the year.
0: Yeah, because you're just not sure, you know, necessarily, you know, how much you're going to make in that year. Is that what you mean? That's right. Yeah.
2: So uh, I used to call it sort of deficit budgeting. I don't know if that's a real term (laughs) or not, but, I mean, you know, you're going into the air a bit blind.
0: So I I, I guess with that, um, you know, that ability to be flexible, you probably also, you know, need to be pretty confident in your skills and your abilities as well, too.
2: Well, I guess you do. Um, But, of course, every project is a learning project, you know, and so even more than being confident in your skills, um, I think, that's not enough. I think you have to be constantly bootstrapping your skills um, um, by reflecting on what it is you are doing uh, and, and coming up with innovations and better ways of doing things so that every project you're improving
0: mm-hmm. the skills
2: that you have on offer.
0: What's, what's an example of something that um, you've either bootstrapped to your practice or picked up along the way in the you know, either early on or even more recently.
2: Yeah, no, I'm still I'm still for sure doing it. I mean, I never do a workshop the same twice because I always have a few new ideas that I need to incorporate and so on. So um, in the recent past, one I worked on was um, turning a logic model into the whole design for an evaluation study. And I now mm. do workshops on that so that the logic model is linked to the data collection matrix, which is linked to the uh, data collection tools, the structures linked to the analysis and to the final report. And it all um, sort of unfolds and it all sort of rolls back up.
0: So, what are some of the other characteristics you've seen um, or, or the characteristics that you've seen missing in some people's uh, consulting practice and you just go, oh my gosh, you know, you really want to work on that?
2: I think communications
0: right. is,
2: is the hardest and the best. It's the one that we don't have, um, you know, the actual answer for. There's no guarantee going into a project that you're going to get along with your client and be able to uh, work successfully with them. But I think certainly trying to keep them in the loop all the time, trying to keep them um, up to date. And one of the things I do is providing status reports to clients Uh sort of on a monthly basis. And then, of course, that's also linked to my invoicing system. So I do milestone billings, Uh which allows me to stay in business
0: tell us a bit about your book.
2: Sure. Well, the book is divided into three parts. And the first part um, is really about the individual and whether or not a consulting career is a good idea for them. And the reason I went this way uh, in the structure of the book is because most consulting books I've read, and I am uh, also a certified management consultant. So I've, you know, had some training in, in consulting from the more of the business side, I guess. And I have found that, you um, People don't talk about personal characteristics. There's sort of an implicit idea that, yeah, you're going to be good in business and you're going to be good as a consultant and you're going to be flexible, adaptable and all those things. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's necessarily true. So rather than sort of burying it in Chapter 26, I, I thought, no, let's get this up on the table right away.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Are you Are you the right kind of a person? Can you deal with uncertainty? I think that's the bottom line.
0: How do you <laughs> figure that out?
2: How do you figure it out? Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Well, I mean, you have to want to do it. That's the other thing. There has to be kind of a fire in your belly that you really want to be your own boss. And that is huge. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. And I
2: think you're willing to put up with a lot of uncertainty Mm -hmm. if that's the case.
0: Yeah, so not really uh, for the faint of heart of those who aren't tolerant of ambiguity.
2: No, and also you have to be able to work uh, for long periods of time on your own. And I've had people actually walk out of my workshop when I talk about this saying, oh my God, this is not for me. I need, I need my social network, you know. Right,
0: right. Need to go to that office and uh, yeah. be surrounded by others in their cubicles and, you know, chat around the water cooler.
2: Yeah, and you also need, uh, I think, some political smarts, which, of course, I'm sure, James, you have tons of because you are an internal evaluator. You know what it's like working inside an organization you understand what the politics there are like
0: yeah actually that's a really good point I, I you know i've I've really been interested in understanding how does an external consultant um you know to the best that they can get on top of those political aspects and nuances when you know they're not necessarily in the hallways every day how, how do you manage that
2: well uh, i guess first of all having been in an organization first and for me personally i was a uh, I was an instructor in a community college for seven years, so there were lots of politics there. Yeah, yeah. Um, So you have some kind of unawareness of how things usually go. Right. And then I think you need some kind of a guide who is an internal person who will work with you and explain the way things really are.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good to have that touchstone and trusted relationships. I mean mentioned uh, Quinn Patton and since Kylie uh, isn't on the call today I get to say Michael Quinn Patton as much as I like she she always uh, bugs me for that because you know I'm a big fan of Michael but uh, one of the points he always makes is around the quality of the relationship you need to have with your customers and to really understand where they're coming from so yeah I can imagine that um, those relationships are things you want to form over a period of time and um, you know so that you really get a, an honest uh, appraisal of, of, of you know really what's happening how you're Evaluation findings are going to be used or not used.
2: Yeah, and I think um, a good dose of humility is a good thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I mean, you know, he, you're coming in cold to an organization, and so if you think you have all the answers, I don't think you're going to go very far.
0: Yeah, that's quite different than some people's, um, you know, uh, notions of what a consultant is supposed to be like—very egotistical, know-it-all, uh, specialist in you know everything, knows more about your business than you. Um, that's quite different to have to, you know, come in and acknowledge what you don't know, and you know, um, have some humility, as you said, and uh, you know, and, and, and offer that in a way that's confident, and, and that people don't think, well, what do you have to offer here?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I'm, am confident in my evaluation skills, my research skills, my writing skills, my interviewing skills. All those things are, are what I bring to the table. But what I don't have is um, the organizational knowledge. Mm-hmm. and I may not have um, that particular content area knowledge. And so, you know, you may need to w- work with an associate who who has the content that you may be lacking. You know, I mean, I've worked mm-hmm. a lot in health, in health, for example, and I have no background in health except I was a ward aide mm-hmm. when I was 16, right. you know. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, I don't. So, therefore, I always um, come in and say, well, I have to work in a partnership with you, I've got the evaluation skills, but I really need your help in terms of understanding whatever it is, whether it's heart health or, yes. uh, you know, wh- whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I've worked in healthcare evaluation um, since the 90s. And, I mean, while I kind of understand most of the systems, even still being an internal evaluator, I mean, I'm not a clinician. I don't know anything about cardiac. Right. And so right. if I'm going to be part of a cardiac, uh, you know, program planning team, and uh, be responsible. I have a lot to learn. And I think, um, you know, what, what's common is we all have the opportunity to keep learning. And I find that really energizing, whether I would probably be external or internal.
2: Absolutely. I mean, it's such a fun, it's such a fun job.
0: It is, it is. And it's funny. I don't know if you've heard this as well, but some people, you know, um, they turn to you and say, boy, I wouldn't want your job for the world. And, uh, I think some of us have just landed in these kind of uh, roles and uh, same, similar to you, I think my my case by accident and, and really glad we did. Gail, so tell us a bit about um, other parts of your book.
2: The second part of the book is about entrepreneurial skills and that's really the startup um, experience that you need to consider when you're getting going about how to do a business plan and think about where your business is going to be. Um, how you're going to manage your money, how you're going to charge fees and how much those uh, fees are going to be. And then, of course, what's on everybody's mind, and that's how do you get work. So there are a couple of chapters in my book on getting work and writing proposals. Um, And I go into quite a bit of detail about that uh, based on my own experience, because uh, one of the things I found out is that um, proposal writing is a very depressing kind of an activity, (laughs) because you never know if you're going to get that project or not, and you put a lot of energy into it, and there may not be a return, and so how do you learn from that?
0: So So, I guess you have to budget some time and, and, you know, really some resources for that, don't you?
2: Absolutely, Um, with absolutely no guarantees that you're going to be successful. So one of the strategies that I always tell people is that it's really, you have to think of it as a numbers game, and so therefore... um, you know how many proposals do you have to write before you get a winner?
0: Is and there so, any magical number on that? I guess it really depends on the person's quality but um, do you have a do you have a sort of uh, emerging ratio for that?
2: Uh, well um, for a long time, I didn't know, and I was getting really upset because I thought you know I'm wasting my time here. So I went to um wine and cheese party uh, that was with the um, management consultant colleagues. And one guy said to me that his ratio was one in five. And I mean, I had never even thought of a ratio before. Mm. So I ran home and I counted, you know, the proposals in my filing cabinet and how many had I written until I got one and so on. And I found out that my, at that point, my ratio was one in four. Hey. So, you know, like everything changed after that. I was. here. and so then I knew, well, okay, so I can do better than that so then my goal became like one and three or one and two or whatever
1: mm-hmm.
2: I mean, and some people have said to me, oh, I get every proposal that I write, but frankly, I don't believe that, you know,
0: yeah, yeah, well, and it's also you know do sometimes you find out I don't know if you've ever found out afterwards when you get a proposal that it's um it's not maybe what you wanted or what they thought they wanted in the first place.
2: Yeah, I'm a bit of a fatalist. If I don't get it, it's always for the best. Yeah. And usually I do hear later some awful story about what happened to the project I didn't get. So maybe I just go out of my way to collect those stories. But anyway, so yeah, proposal writing is certainly challenging, but there's a lot of things you can learn about how to do that more effectively.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And then the third part of my book is about business skills, and this is ongoing business management skills. And so that's why the title of the book is Startup and Management, because... Uh, What I try to encourage people to do is, while they're not too busy, to get systems in place that are going to support them when they are terribly busy and don't have time to think about how to run their business. And they won't have to if they've already gone through all of these sorts of um, things like understanding what to look for in a contract and making sure you have the right amount of insurance and uh, making sure that you know how to interact with the bank in case you need a line of credit. Um, deciding whether or not you need to take on more people. And then if you do, you know, are you going to hire them or are they going to be subcontractors or where are you going to mm-hmm. find research assistance? Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of stuff to think about filing knowledge management. So those are topics that I cover in the third part of the book. And my real wish would be that people keep the book on their desk and when they get into a situation, then they look up mm-hmm. uh, some suggestions about what to do.
0: So when you talk about the startup and the management um do you find not enough people think about that whole management piece?
2: I do. And so I find with my colleagues as well that their focus is the startup and their focus is the marketing and that what may lag is the actual ongoing daily management of your business.
0: Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you become busy and you don't have time for that and you run into other problems. That's right. Yeah. And then you start hiring someone else who may or may not know how to manage your business for you. That's right, <laughs> not good <laughs> It's interesting just hearing some of the things that are common for internal evaluators um, and consultants like yourself, but um, so many of the things that internal evaluators get to rely on for the you know from the mothership organization we just don't need to deal with you know whether it's going to the bank or you know uh, having to figure out insurance necessarily it's um, those are all uh, things that uh, when you're on your own, you really have to tend to don't you.
2: You do, but you know it's not as scary as it sounds. I don't want to, uh, to scare people off because there's so much to learn. Because certainly, I didn't know it when I started, and I always say, you know, you're an adult learner. You learn something when you need it,
0: hmm. and
2: so it's kind of an ongoing mm-hmm. prog- progression of learning things as they crop up.
0: Yeah, and anybody ever ask you, um, hey, listen, I've got a, I've got a, you know, a current job. I'm thinking of going to consulting. Um, you know how much of a nest egg do I need to set aside, or how much time do you think it'll take before I can you know uh you know have my boat floating uh, safely?
2: Yeah, well, I say probably the first thing you ought to be doing is putting together your business plan and that should take you a couple of months um say a day a week um thinking about that and doing some information interviews and checking out the landscape and so on so a couple of months of planning before you. Um, ever jump ship, mm-hmm, shall we say, mm-hmm. and then um, you'd probably need between uh, three and four, five months worth of um, a nest egg, which would be the equivalent of your salary, or a project. And that was my answer. I never did have that huge nest egg. I, I think I had $500 when I started, but I had that five-year project.
0: That's right, yeah. So
2: I knew that there was going to be a ne- at least enough to pay my office rent.
0: I wanted to ask you a bit about how you manage um, or what your approach is to uh, perhaps uh, customers or organizations that, um, uh, well, I don't know if I want to say dysfunctional, but that may be a bit challenging. I've had friends who are consultants who have said, you know, you really have to manage your customer. And in some cases, um, if it's really not a functioning relationship, you have to find a way to get out um, because else you can often end up doing a lot of work, not getting paid. Um, you know scope changes how do you protect yourself against that and manage that
2: well I mean there's several different things going on there I think that um, there's absolutely no guarantee that you will get along with your client or that things will go smoothly and certainly I've had experiences where they have not um, I've even been fired from projects because we came to such an impasse in terms of Mm -hmm. our belief about what was going on so Mm -hmm. um, you know that's certainly possible but what I try to do is is um manage scope through, right from the beginning from the proposal stage. And once the proposal is, is accepted, then I write a work plan, very detailed work plan, right. and I get the client to sign off on it. And if there's a steering committee, to get the steering committee to sign off on it as well. And in many cases have even had that work plan um, as an addendum or an appendix or whatever to the work contract I have with the client. Now, this makes a big difference because if the client then decides to ask you to, let's say, do 10 more focus groups or whatever right. it is, you know, right. there's some change that's significant. Um, well, and I've got one that's changing right now and, and changing it because their dates are changing. So my dates are changing and they right. have no control over larger environmental issues that are making this happen. But once it's in the contract, it's easy enough to change it if you both agree. Mm hmm. And so that's probably the best way to manage uh, scope uh, is have it in the contract, have it clearly identified in terms of what your tasks are going to be and how many days Mm
0: -hmm. and what it's
2: going to cost and who's going to do it, right?
0: Yeah, we've even had to do that internally, um, that that sort of template of almost a contract, which, you know, internally is a little bit different. Um, Some people kind of bristle at because they think you're an internal resource and, you know, they may want to sort of adapt and change as needed and and that too is a different kind of contract that we've also had to wrestle with um but we try and make things as clear as possible and and at any given point if they have to change then we have to get all the right approvals uh you know because otherwise we've often gotten i don't want to say burned but we've gotten ourselves in feeling like we need to you know complete a task and and then and some more and there's a bunch of other requests that are waiting in the wings as a consultant uh, you know if, especially if that's your your main gig and your your livelihood and uh, you know every hour that you bill um, you know is, is really what you're making uh you've got to really be careful with that i imagine
2: yes and uh, i mean it's a tricky it's a tricky uh, challenge because at the same time you're trying you know if you are trying to be developmental and to go with the flow in terms of how the project is emerging and so on and at the same time manage how much time you're actually putting into the project you need to have some behind the scenes very good organizational skills Mm -hmm. um, time tracking Um, I always in my workshops talk about how you need to be tracking your time and billing according to time
0: Mm -hmm. tell us about some of the work you're doing these days
2: Um, yeah I've got a couple of interesting projects on the Go One of them, I'm using appreciative inquiry for the first time, which is exciting.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. And
2: um, it has to do with the, using learning learning circles in long-term care uh, for professional development for different groups of staff. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're quite excited about this project, and they see it as a, kind of a non-threatening and um, sort of easy way to incorporate professional development in, into the workplace without um, it being so costly or taking so much time, people away from the job. So the, this last week, I was attending uh, a learning circle, and uh, it was it was great to see the energy there because they had mm-hmm. sort of a cross-disciplinary uh, team who were meeting. It was their third learning circle, and they were talking about uh, ways to work more effectively with um, mentally dysfunctional uh, patients.
0: And I think you do some blogging on the side too, don't you?
2: I do,
0: yeah. Yeah, tell us a bit about that. I've, I've noticed uh, some recent posts on double loop learning and um, and some other advice for consultants that um, we'll post on our website.
2: Yeah, the, I did one before that uh, on uh, so what makes a good proposal. And just kind of summarized up uh, what my experiences have been with regard to that. And then this latest one has been on my mind for quite a while. And it has to do with the reflection skills I was talking about and how important they are. If we're going to be innovative, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: we have to keep thinking about what we're doing and trying to really understand what's going on. And then, as I said, bootstrap ourselves up to a new level in terms of our skills.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean, I'm aware you're also a, a CE or a credential evaluator, um, credentialed from the Canadian Evaluation Society. And of course, that's one of the five competency areas that they, um, you know, that they encourage all of us to um, to pay attention to, that whole reflective piece.
2: That's right. But I don't think there's all that much information out there. And so and how uh, to
0: do that. Yeah. I
2: know. And so we're saying it's important, but we don't know how to train you. So it, it's an area that I'm doing some work on currently and uh I'm hoping to explore it further. But anyway, I did as a start, I wrote a blog about that. So I've written nine blogs now, which really in most people's eyes probably isn't that many, but I kind of look at them as a bit of um almost like an essay, I guess. Uh-huh. And so it takes me a while to put one together. I, I've been enjoying that. And uh, the next one that I'm going to write will be blog number 10 and it's going to be another coffee shop blog. I did number five as a coffee shop and it's a dialogue between um, some, you know, their, their fictitious consultants uh, who meet me for coffee up, up at the corner here at our local uh, Starbucks. And uh, so we sit down and we talk about, you know, should I be a consultant and this, mm-hmm. that and whatever topics are on their mind. So mm-hmm. it, it was fun. And so I'm going to Every five blogs or so, I'm going to do the next installment on this continuing saga.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm certainly going to be picking up your book, um, uh, Consulting Startup and Management, uh, a guide for evaluators and applied researchers. And we'll put a link to that on our, our website, if that's okay with you. Oh, lovely. I know Kylie's read it. And, uh, you know, uh, as she said, uh, Gail's the one who wrote the book on this. Um, have you got plans for this year? Are you going to CS and the uh, uh, American Evaluation Association conferences?
2: Uh, Yes, I'm certainly going to CES, and I'm going to be doing a workshop there, the one that's on um, from logic model, data handling from logic model to final report that I was mentioning earlier based on my practice experience. And then um, I haven't heard yet, but I did submit uh, a paper to that conference on reflection skills, so we'll see how we do with that. And then I'm just in the process of putting together some abstracts to propose to do at uh, the AEA in Washington in the fall. So I'll be looking forward to going there.
0: That's great. Well, that I look forward to uh, seeing you at one or both of those conferences. Gail, anything else uh, you'd like to share with us or any uh, final words of wisdom for uh, folks that are either in the field uh, doing uh, consulting or thinking about that?
2: Well, I think it's a wonderful career. And if you have, you know, the real desire to work for yourself and you feel you have the skills to offer, you know, uh, I think the sky's the limit. I think you should go for it. Because, I mean, here I am, you know, I could be retired now, really, (laughs) but why would I do that? I'm having far too much fun, you know?
0: Don't do that.
2: No, no intention.
0: (laughs) That's great. Well, listen, Gail, we've really enjoyed having you and uh, look forward to uh, speaking with you again and and seeing you at uh, one of these conferences and, and perhaps joining your workshop Want to thank you for taking the time to spend with us, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day.
2: Well, thank you so much, James. It's been great talking to you, and I look forward to seeing you too.
0: Excellent, thank you.
2: Bye
0: bye. Bye bye. For those of you who have found us on uh, iTunes, uh, you can also find our website adventuresandevaluation.podbean.com, and there you can leave us a message or you can contact us by email directly. For those of you who want that email right now and have a pen and paper or your iPhone ready. Uh, it is Adventures in Evaluation Podcast at gmail.com.